Hi guys, welcome to Made It Happen Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hayflin. Made It Happen Podcast is a series highlighting young female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. Through interviews with young female entrepreneurs, Made It Happen is dedicated to inspiring others through stories of those who've experienced going out on their own firsthand, discussing all the highs and the lows. It can be easy to see the glamorous side of starting your own business through the internet and social media, but what does it really take behind the scenes to launch and run your own successful business? Hear how these inspiring female founders made it happen. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Connie Lowe and Laura Baguette, the founders of New Body, a 100% natural and vegan skincare company. They started the brand when they were both 23 years old with just $4,000 and a huge problem to solve. Their mission is to make natural beauty accessible for all women with effective products all under $40. Since launching three years ago, New Body is now carried in over 350 retailers across North America, has thousands of five-star reviews online, and has appeared in publications like Elle, Pop Sugar, and Refinery29. Okay, so I just want to start us off by saying thank you so much for joining with me today. I know um, I personally love your products, so I'm very interested in hearing sort of about the background of your journeys with this um, and how this was your business was created. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Awesome. So how about we start off by having each of you just tell us a little bit about yourselves. For sure. So I can get started. Uh, my name is Laura Bergat. I'm one of the two co-founders of New Body. Um, I went to school and graduated around three years ago from U of T, University of Toronto, with a degree in chemical engineering, and then started my career off in software sales and ran two companies while I was in school, which is what got me bit by the entrepreneurial bug. Um, and then had the idea for a natural skincare line um, that was affordable and more transparent um, and just couldn't get this idea out of my head. So Connie and I set out to conquer the clean beauty space uh, in March of 2017 together. Um, and I'm Connie and I graduated from Queen's University in 2015 with a um, Bachelor of Commerce degree. And during my time there, I remember not ever really feeling as so-called smart as my peers because I didn't love the quantitative um, courses as much as they did. And for a while, I kind of fought against that and tried to push myself down a certain career path, um, ultimately ending up going full-time um, into an accounting role. Um, and then after eight months of working audit, I just realized that I was miserable in my job. Um, so I quit and I reflected back on what I enjoyed doing my free time. Um, and at that time, I really loved learning about marketing and sales and then also entrepreneurship. Um, in high school, I ran my own businesses and also at Queen's University, I ran the Queen's Entrepreneurs Competition for three years. And so during that time of reflection, I was like, you know what, it doesn't matter what my peers were doing at school. If I'm not really passionate about going down the number heavy route, then so be it. Um, so I quit my job, went to marketing and sales and fell in love with learning about brand development and negotiation and working with retailers. And it was during that time that I was introduced to Laura, heard about the idea for a new body and fell in love. That's awesome. Yeah, you definitely both have had sort of a lot of experience and interest in entrepreneurship. So that's, that's great. And so then how did the actual, I guess, business of new body um, start up. I know you said you sort of had the idea for the natural skincare line, um, but how did you really sort of get that implemented in the beginning? 
Yeah, so in the beginning, it was a lot of just hustle and just determination. Connie and I were both um, natural beauty fans um, throughout our teens and our early 20s. So I initially came up with the idea because a, a friend of mine had introduced me to using coconut oil as a natural form of makeup remover. Started doing that in my fourth year of school and loved how effective it was, but couldn't stand the mess that it made when I used it and also the fact that it was just like tub of oil that I couldn't travel with at all and it didn't look very cute on my vanity. So I tried to find something that was affordable but also really just pure ingredients um, that spoke to me as a millennial consumer and really couldn't find anything, especially nothing that was in a wiped format on the market. So our initial line of products that we launched with actually was a line of wipes that was four different types for four different skin types of coconut oil with different essential oils. And we literally just started off with making this product in our uh, own condos and shipping it out ourselves as well out of our apartments. Um, so it was a real grind at the beginning. We started the brand with just $4,000. So we each put in two grand into the business and then we've just bootstrapped it from there. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. And so you had said that you guys had sort of met right before creating the business or um, did you know each other beforehand um, and then decided to go into business together? Yeah, so a mutual friend actually introduced us. Um, so at the time, Laura had this idea for this natural coconut oil-based makeup remover wipe. And she was looking for someone to just like kind of run the idea by a, maybe a consumer in the space. And our mutual friend um, recalled that I was a huge fanatic um, in the natural skincare space. I've been loving making my own skincare products since I was in middle school. Um, and he recalled that from when we were classmates. And so he mentioned, like, you should reach out to Connie and see if she has any ideas um, and maybe she could try your product. Um, so we met up for dinner and like, you know, the rest is history. It was supposed to be a quick 30 minute, almost like a business meeting or like like a pitch meeting and it ended up being like a really long conversation. It went on for like three or four hours where from the get go, we realized that we got along so well. Um, our personality types meshed really well. We're actually complete opposites. Um, and I fell in love with the idea of starting a business with her. Um, so by the end of that three or four hour dinner turned meeting, uh, Laura turned to me and asked like, do you want to just be my co-founder on this? And I said yes right away. Um, and <laughs> it's funny when we reflect back because Laura was like, are you sure you don't want some time to think about this? And I was like, no, like it just felt so right um, yeah, in every bone of my body. Like, yeah, I'm in. It was so exciting. I'm like, well, this is a big commitment. Like, um, so, but yeah, like she said, it was kind of like a match made in heaven in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. And that's great that, you know, right away, you guys just connected so well, especially I feel like with a co-founder, you, you want to make sure, you know, you trust them hundred percent and that you work well together. So that's amazing that it, it just ended up happening out like that. Yeah, we got really lucky. And I think something that Connie and I has really helped us is the fact that we were both raised with really similar values. Um, mm -hmm. So this just leads to innate level of trust and our goals as well for where we want to take the business are like perfectly aligned and our goals for our lifestyles are very similar. So all these things kind of uh, just like lined up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you guys had mentioned, you know, you started your company off with $4,000. Um, and it's, I mean, it's turned in this huge company. How did, how did you do that in the beginning? Yeah, I think 
big chunk of that initial um, money went to things like incorporating. I think that was like maybe $400, which we did ourselves instead of going down the route of going with a lawyer. Um, so like, there's a lot of ways that you can save money. Another investment that we made was in a laser printer so that we could print our own product labels instead of ordering custom printed labels, which can be really expensive. Um, and then also we did everything ourselves by hand. So in the beginning days, it was like carrying jugs of coconut oil into our apartment, pouring them into mixing bowls on the kitchen counter and like hand making um, these makeup wipes. Um, so one story that we often reflect back on to see how far we've come is when we got our first large order, um, which at the time, you know, 6,800 uh, units was considered a lot. <laughs> um, we made them all by hand. So for a period of three weeks after working our full-time jobs, uh, we would meet up at my apartment and we'd make everything by hand, um, you know, hand pressing these wipes until 11 or 12 at night and then go back to working our full-time jobs the next day. So there's these stories that, and it, that's just one of many um, that reflect back on how much grit and hustle we put into the business because we truly believed in, in what we were bringing to the market. Um, and that's how we were able to get by with just that $4,000 because we didn't cut corners. Uh, we put in the work um, and we were very smart with where we spent our money. Wow, that's amazing. I love that story. Um, yeah, you can definitely see that you guys have put in so much work to it. And, you know, you had said that you were both also working your full time jobs and then doing this on the side at night. Um, when was the point sort of how did you know when you were like, okay, we were we're all in like, this will be our full time business, like give it everything. How did you know sort of when that point was? For us, it was a balance of our own personal finances and then also the business having product market fit already. So um, we knew that we didn't want to put the business in a bad spot financially just because we went full time. So Kanye and I both needed to have, we knew at least six months of our living expenses saved up before we felt comfortable going full time with the company just because when we first took the leap, um, we weren't paying ourselves anything from the business. And we wanted to make sure that the business was able to retain as much cash as possible. So that was one requirement. And then the second was feeling like there was traction and it was getting to a point where we weren't able to grow the brand as quickly as what we wanted to because we just didn't have enough time um, by only working on it in the evenings and on the weekends. Um, so we, we saw the point at which, okay, we're like, things are picking up. We're having customers are repeatedly coming back to us. Opportunities are coming our way. Um, limited hours versus what we need to be able to do. And we knew exactly what we would be working on once we went full time. Um, so having that plan in place as well as a financial stability was really important for us. And that happened around 18 months after starting the brand is when we went full time. Absolutely. Yeah, that definitely, that makes sense. And, you know, you had said sort of in the beginning too, you were also doing everything on your own. How did you to market your business when you were just getting started? Yeah, because in the beginning days, we didn't have any sort of PR agency um, or anyone really to help with marketing. Everything was done ourselves. So, you know, subscription box partnerships were one way for us to get some awareness out, but before we even got to that stage where a subscription box would consider carrying new body, we had to develop some social proof um, and make some online sales. So our strategy for that was Instagram. Um, Instagram is still one of the first go-to places for people um, searching new brands. It's a really great platform for you to establish some social legitimacy. So we knew we wanted to increase our following on Instagram with authentic followers um, right away. So before we even launched our product in March of 2017, um, in 
November or late November, beginning December uh, 2016, I started our Instagram account. Um, and so even though we didn't even have any product photos or any product actually on the market, um, our Instagram page started as a lifestyle page where people could go and see photos um, of dogs and quotes and, you know, empowering um, female leaders, um, those sorts of images. And they started to follow us for that content. Um, and that was the type of target consumer we wanted, someone who'd be interested in those, those topics. And then from there, we also used the account to follow competitor accounts and also um, people who are following our competitor accounts because we were able to see what sorts of skincare brands they really liked and what they were talking about. Um, and then from there, when we launched our brand, we already had um, people following our account um, who were following other competitor accounts. So it was a really easy way for us to start communicating with them by like engaging with them in DMs, um, asking them what their skin type was, um, recommending a product for them. At the time, we only had four, <laughs> one different makeup wipe um, product for each different skin type. Um, and that was kind of the early days of how we started um, our marketing. And from there, when someone purchase a product, we'd always ask them to please take a selfie with the product and then ask them if we share it on our page. Um, so that was the way for us to get really great traction early on. Um, establishing giveaways also with similar brands um, at a similar, smaller scale on Instagram worked really well for us. So for example, partnering with another brand with a couple thousand followers who's a hair care accessory company or maybe a makeup brand does really well for us because the target demographic is so aligned, but it's also not in the competing space. Um, so that's how we got started. Wow. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And that's definitely like a strategy I never would have thought of, but it's definitely a smart way to get your product out there and get your name known before it even hit the market. So that's mm -hmm. awesome. And so when you guys are creating, you said it started off with sort of wipes and now you have a whole line of different ones and for the different skin types, what's sort of your creation process like for the products and how do you come up with sort of those new new ideas to bring to the market? Yeah, we use a really iterative approach. Um, something that we want to make sure that we do as a brand is that we're launching products that our consumers truly want and that they're excited about um, because really making sure that our, our community is excited and gets great results from the products is what makes us thrive and have fulfillment as a brand. So the first thing that we do is get a sense of the types of products that they would be wanting to see. So we put out polls. Um, we get also a lot of active feedback from our shoppers by doing post-purchase surveys from them about which products they'd like to see us develop next. And then once we see that a product is being consistently requested, um, then that's the next product that we go about developing or that we add to our development calendar. Um, so the process would start off with me working with our two cosmetic chemists that we use and uh, developing an initial formula. So I provide them with guidelines on ingredients that they can or can't include, here ingredients that we want to make sure are included, um, ideal skin feel, texture, um, skin outcome or purpose, scent, all the different uh, parameters that they would want to know. And then they usually start off by creating around three different initial formulas, which then Connie and I test out on ourselves and then any willing uh, friends or family that are willing to test out the initial products. Uh, we pick our favorite from that first uh, set of products and then we iterate usually another two to four times. Um, and then once we feel that we've landed on a good formula, we actually send out pre-production samples of this formulation to usually 15 or so of our top customers for them to actually try out the products for two weeks, let us know the results that they got, 
Um, we have a really detailed feedback form that we collect from them that's around 30 questions long. And then we take that feedback and use that to guide the final formula before we finally go into stability testing, microbial testing, and, um, and production. Wow. Yeah, that's great. That's, and that's such a great way to, you know, get your customers involved and hear their opinions and everything. I think, yeah, that's an amazing process for that. Yeah, I think it really helps to have a captive audience as well before we even launch a product because we know that's something that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. And I think that this process um, where Laura is working hand in hand um, with the formulators and also making sure that the products have proven results is something that makes us stand out because a lot of the times when people hear natural skincare, um, they associate it with not being effective or just, you know, kind of greenwashing. And the reason we started the brand is because we wanted to find a natural skincare brand that was not only affordable, but was effective. Um, there's no point for us to launch new products um, that are plant-based if they don't have any proven skin benefits. Um, so that's why Laura takes a lot of um, time and working with our formulators to develop products that people genuinely love and takes a lot of time to get the, those feedback surveys. Um, and even though this does add months to our um, you know, formulation process, it really shows off when products launch. Like we see repeat um, purchase rates spike um, the day slash weeks after products launch and people sometimes buy between ten, uh, six to 10 units at a time um, when a new product launches because there's so much trust that's built up along the way. Wow. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And yeah, definitely a great relationship with the customers. So um, I think, you know, getting that quality is definitely important, which obviously you guys are and it, it's working. And so you, you also have your products in a bunch of retail stores as well. Can you tell us just a little bit about the process of how your experience was with this? Yeah, so at New Body, I manage more of the sales side, so I can speak to this. So with our first retail partners, it was definitely a lot of scrappiness and hustle. Um, you know, you can imagine us just walking up and down the streets of Toronto, which is where New Body is based, and approaching any retailer that would talk to us. Um, so we would bring, you know, price lists around and just talk to any small store owner. Um, from there, after we signed our first retailer, I would start using that retailer's name in any email um, outreach that I did to approach any other retailer um, to provide a sense of legitimacy. And once we had a roster of a couple of retailers, then it was great because I could reference just all of them and continue using, you know, content that they would shoot and use customer reviews um, for consumers who bought new body in those retail stores. So that was the beginning days and how we were able to grow smaller, more brick and, uh, smaller brick and mortar and online store partners. When it came to larger retail partners, we have a dream list of certain um, wholesale partners that we would love to work with. Um, and at some beauty shows, you're able to actually get in contact with these buyers um, from these really legitimate like national retail partners. Um, so one beauty show that we really love attending is called Indie Beauty Expo. Um, it's such an amazing show. Um, they have shows all over um, the world, including in like Berlin, London. Um, we've gone to the ones in LA and New York. 
And at these shows, you set up your own stall and you pretty much exhibit for two days and talk with any buyers and press and influencers who come by. Um, so it was at one of these shows that we met with the buyer of Kohl's, um, which is a really large department store in the U.S. I believe the stat is there's one Kohl's store for every um, within a 15 mile radius of every American citizen. Um, so getting you know directly in the hands our products directly in the hands um, of the buyer um, was huge for us. Um, so that was last year, and that was one of our first large retail accounts. Um, another one was Riley Rose, which is the beauty arm of Forever 21. And that one, I believe we had gotten through just some cold emailing, but then did end up meeting the buyer in person um, at one of these shows. Um, so it was very similar. Shows are an amazing way to get in contact with buyers who normally get bombarded with emails, um, a lot of cold emails from many amazing brands. Um, so we highly recommend getting as much face uh, FaceTime as possible. It can be tough, especially if you're a Canadian brand, when a lot of these events happen in the U.S., um, but the markets are starting to open up and we totally see this trend continuing. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's amazing. So one of the things you had said, you know, you were getting into Kohl's, like a big retail store there. Was there sort of any other moments for both of you looking back that you were just like, wow, like just one sort of big successful moment that you were kind of just like starstruck. You're like, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, for me, it would probably be when we launched or landed our largest PO, which was only around, I think like a month and a half after we went full time, we landed a PO for 250,000 units. And that was just like a crazy size order in my mind to to be thinking that. Mm -hmm. I think it was like 400 actually, wasn't it? Was like it 400,000? It was like, oh. yeah, a lot of units. I think it yeah, like was, was 400,000. It was $250,000, I think is what it was. Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. Um, and it was just, it was wild for us to know that our business had reached a scale like that uh, within less than two years. Um, so that was kind of one of those pinch me moments. Yeah, I was going to reference that one. Um, I guess another one would be seeing oh, I, our product in a magazine for the first time. Um, so we had DM'd or direct messaged um, one of the beauty editors at Elle magazine. Uh, she had been talking about how she was looking for a natural makeup wipe. And we reached out and said like, hey, we, we offer natural makeup wipes. It was just when we first started the brand, really. And um, we sent them to her. And she ended up including our toner in the December issue of Elle in the print issue. And what was a really surreal moment for me was um, I was at the hair salon and I asked um, the hairdresser to pass me a magazine and she just so happened to pass like that issue. And I had no idea that it was going to be in that specific month. Um, so I flipped open a page and saw our product and I literally was like starstruck for two minutes. I was like taking photos and like filming it and making IG story content and people in that Islam must have thought I was like crazy or something. So I was just like <laughs> grinning from ear to ear. Um, but yeah, I think that was like one of the moments in the beginning where we were like, whoa, like this is really legit. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. And then, so I guess those are some of the highlights um, through your journey of a business. Has there sort of, is there sort of one big challenge that you've had to overcome with it? And how, how did you overcome that? Um, I, I can talk to one recent challenge. I don't think that there's ever been like a main recurring challenge that Laura and I face. Um, but one of the recent uh, problems that came up was 
someone had reached out on Instagram and said that we were copying another brand. Um, and they left some pretty like hurtful comments saying like, it's clear that, you know, your brand is very similar to this brand. Um, you're even copying the product names. And when I looked at the brand they were referencing, there was nothing similar to that brand, including the product names. Like they were completely different. Like they had names like super berry or something. Um, and I was just like kind of shocked because it wasn't just someone trying to stand up for another small brand saying like, Hey, you guys are similar. It was them blatantly. It almost appeared like they were trying to hurt us or that they were like lying. Um, so that was kind of one of the first times actually that we've had an experience like that. And, um, and just like working through it was an interesting process to be like, Oh, I guess in the future we'll start seeing this more often. Um, but for the most part, our audience on Instagram and all of our social channels is really positive. Um, which is something that Laura and I are so grateful for. Um, our hashtag new crew, um, is just like the sweetest group of people. Um, but that was just one challenge that happened recently that I can think of. Something that's been a struggle for us as well has been finding the right um, contractors. We like to keep our internal team really small, and then we rely on a lot of freelancers or contractors or external agencies to run different parts of our business. Um, and it's been really challenging for us to find someone in particular in the marketing side of digital marketing. Um, because as a bootstrap brand, we know how expensive it is to find and then also train great digital marketers. So we've always wanted to have more of an external team, but it's been really hard for us sometimes to find those people that will drive great results and then also be a reasonable cost. Because in our experience, a lot of agencies kind of promise you the moon to begin with, and then it's end up delivering you results. You're like, oh, I could probably could have done better on this myself and not spent so much money. Um, so I think that's been challenging for us, but again, it's nothing that's been like business ending. Um, it's just, you have to have hard conversations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Those are some really great points. I definitely agree. And you had also recently done, um, an article for international women's day, the her hustle article, which I read through and were, they were amazing. I love those. And was there sort of like one sort of common theme or something that you'd learned from those interviews that really stuck out to you as business owners? Yeah, and for your listeners who are unfamiliar with our Her Hustle series, um, it's pretty much a bi-weekly interview series where we feature really inspiring female founders and creators. Um, it's our way of giving back to the um, female entrepreneur community um, at the stage in our business. Um, so it's really important to us and very near and dear to our heart. And from, you know, over two years now of interviewing different female founders, um, recurring themes for us are one of the questions that we ask are um, what's, you know, something that someone has told you that you're so glad, like you didn't take their advice. And a lot of them are like, oh, you know, you have a really good job right now. Are you sure you want to drop it for this? Like there, it's almost like people are already reverting to your plan B or they'll say things like, don't worry if this doesn't work out, you can always go back to X, Y, Z. And it was just really interesting because I'm sure that the people like the friends and family in our lives and these, her hustle interviewees lives who are saying these comments are not saying it from a place of malice, but it almost comes across as disheartening to hear one of the first things you know, out of their mouths is like, don't worry if this doesn't work. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting thing to note from these different interviews um, that a lot of people seem to go through this. 
Um, another thing is that there's no two days that are the same. We often ask um, our interviewees, like, what's the typical, you know, morning for you or a day for you? And they're like, there's no routine. <laughs> um, as much as people think that entrepreneurs has, have as much freedom um, in our lives as possible, um, it's not actually <laughs> that in, in reality. Um, a very um, great way to sum it up is I heard once that entrepreneurs um, have, you know, can take any Friday off really, but which Friday they're going to take off is unknown. Um, so it sums up, you know, this case where we have a lot of flexibility and freedom um, on a macro level. But when you look down at the day to day, we're so busy that we never take really that opportunity to take time for ourselves. Um, so that's another common thread. I'd also say surrounding yourself with the right team is something that I see in like the vast majority of the interviews as well, um, because ultimately a, a business or a brand is just the sum of all the people that work for it. Um, so finding those right people really early on is really important. And then, of course, walking away from relationships if they aren't serving the business or if you find employees that just aren't working well for you um, is also something that I hear a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Those are definitely some great pieces of advice. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of people can definitely relate to those. So I think that's amazing that you guys have been doing that series and, um, you know, speaking to other female entrepreneurs. And one of the questions that you guys had asked them in the interviews was, what does success look like to you? And so I was just wondering from um, both of your points of interview, what would success look for you look like to you? For me, success um, is really being aligned with your purpose. Um, a way that I heard it recently was, you know that you're living in alignment when everything kind of seems to be in flow. Um, and I think, you know, referencing back to my earlier example of how when I was at Queen's University, I just like kind of forced myself down a certain path um, in being in a number heavy job. Um, that wasn't in flow. And in retrospect, like it's so clear um, so for me now, like being successful is just like continuing down this path where I'm feeling like I'm contributing to the world by providing confidence for women um, and whoever's using our products and um, just making sure that we're bringing that um, joy to every aspect of our job and also being kind to everyone that we meet. Um, so as long as I'm living in alignment with my purpose and being kind to everyone in my life, I feel like that in itself is success. For me, it's always been around delivering on our promise to our customers is what success would look like for the brands. And the happiest moments of my day are always when we get good customer reviews. And um, there's one that stands out for me that we got recently, which is a woman said that she's in her mid 40s. And after switching over to our products is the first time that she's felt confident enough to leave the house without foundation in over 20 years. And I think by knowing that we're having such a profound impact on how these women view beauty, how they view themselves and their own self-confidence. And um, like, that's such a powerful thing. So everything else is really secondary when it comes to other elements of the brand, um, like in terms of revenues or reach across different retailers or our own flexibility within our lives. All of that will kind of come as long as we're delivering on our promise to our customers, which is getting them great results. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree. And that's such an amazing story. And, you know, I love how it, it's a great product, but I think sort of the messaging behind the product is so important. And even, you know, the whole community that you guys have built together, I think is just amazing. Oh, thanks so much. And so 
What's sort of one thing that each of you has learned about yourselves after running your or starting and running your own business? Oh man, there's so many. <laughs> um, I think one for myself is that I'm a lot more capable um, than I ever imagined. Um, I know that growing up, I didn't feel that confident in my intellect um, because I wasn't the in the traditional sense book smart. I mean, even when I say that, I know that's not true because I like graduated with a 95 average, but it was like, I've always felt like I had to work for it, you know? And, um, and when we started New Body, I was a little worried. I was like, really feeling imposter syndrome, to be honest. And even saying that word now, it's funny to reflect back because I haven't said that in so long. Um, when I'm sure Laura can attest to this, when we first started the brand, I feel like every other word coming out of my mouth was like, I have imposter syndrome. Um, so I think over this period of building our brand um, for over three years now, I've learned like I can really do whatever I set my mind to. Um, Laura and I are both like probably two of the most hardworking and smart people that I, most smart people that I know. Um, and I know that even though there's going to be a lot of challenges, just based off of our track record so far, I know we can accomplish anything. Um, so if I could, you know, go back and tell myself like my fourth year university Connie self that I would be here now, there's no way I would have believed um, that back then. Um, so just seeing how much more capable I am and um, how much more smart I am than I originally thought I was is, is really uplifting for me. Um, for me, it'll actually be pretty different. Um, I think that one of the things I've learned most from this is just acceptance and patience. Um, before, I was someone who was much more like wanting to have, I wouldn't say like instant results, but I was used to just being able to like kind of not float for, through school, but like not having to work super hard for things and just get good results. Whereas business, I don't think that there's such thing as a quick win really, at least not one that's sustainable. So it's having to learn that patience and um, I guess grit over the long haul because within running and building a brand, you're going to have times that you'll feel like you're plateauing and then you'll have months where things are just like blowing up like crazy and then will plateau again. So knowing that it's not just an e like not just a consistent growth and being okay with that has been a, a different frame of mindset for me to have to learn throughout this journey. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's great to hear like from both of your perspectives. And I guess you both sort of had um, mentioned it a little bit, but if you had one piece of advice for someone who was thinking of starting their own business, what would that be? It would definitely for me be to just get started. I think a lot of people, when I talk to entrepreneurs who have an idea but haven't started yet, oftentimes they think that they need to have all the answers and um thought about all the questions before even launching their brand. And there's just really no way that you can actually predict all of these different things. Um, and Reid Hoffman has a great quote that if you aren't embarrassed by your first product, you probably launched too late. And I think it certainly holds true for Connie and I, like looking back at our first product, it's kind of like, oh, wow, it looks so ghetto. But really, <laughs> like, it's just about the evolution of the company and learning on the fly and learning from your customers, trying things and then learning by doing instead of feeling like you need to have the perfect business model or a business plan or the perfect strategy right out of the gates. Mm -hmm. Just get started. 
I totally agree with Laura. That's what I love referencing um, is just like just starting. Um, and if I had to think of another one, I would say make sure you know your why um, really well and don't do it just for the money. Um, if you're going to be starting a business just for whatever profits that you you know, can foresee. I feel like those sorts of businesses are the ones that go out of business fastest um, because you're not going to be willing to put in the effort and the grit because you don't truly love what you're doing. There were so many times when we were starting our brand that Laura and I would like stand at markets for like 10 hours um, a day and then do it again the next day for, you know, two months, um, every weekend we would do that. Lugging around luggages up and down stairs and setting up booths and talking for hours. Like that is something that you put in because you truly believe in what you're, you're selling and, and what you're providing to people. So before you start a business, I would say like, make sure you understand what problem you're solving and that you're not just doing it for the glitz and the glam of entrepreneurship, because I can assure you entrepreneurship is not as glamorous as what it appears to be. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely some great pieces of advice. And I definitely agree that, you know, you have to be passionate about what you are doing with it. And it's, I think getting started is sort of the biggest sort of struggle to get over is just, just to get started into it. And so I guess going forward, is there any sort of future plans for your business that you would like to share? Yeah, this year we're going to be launching a bunch of new products, including our most highly requested uh, day cream. So that's going to be coming out within the next, uh, like I'd say around two months. Um, so we're super, super excited for that. Amazing. I'm so excited to see that. Do either of you have any sort of final thoughts on the topic at all? Yeah, I mean, if people are on the fence about whether or not they're wanting to start their own business, or maybe they have an idea that they've started on, and they just want to run questions by anybody, um, you're always welcome to reach out to Connie and I. We love helping other people and other women in particular on their journey through entrepreneurship. Um, so you can either just DM us uh, on Instagram. Our handle is at niu.body um, or emails are just laura at newbody.com and Connie at newbody.com. Um, I handle the back end of the business. So if you have questions about legal, um, compliance, financials, operations, product development, then that would be in my ball court versus Connie's more front end. So customer, um, anything customer related, marketing, sales distribution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with what Laura said. We're totally open books. We actually love um, speaking with other people about our experience and helping them out. Another resource that we have is our blog. Um, if you go on newbody.com and we have a fr from the founders series um, where we share experiences. So for example, we have a blog post about how we grew our business from $4,000 or how to prepare for your first beauty trade show. Um, so that's another resource that you guys have um, that we've heard referenced by many people that we've spoken to. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Um, I'm glad that I was able to sort of learn more about both of your journeys. Thanks for listening to Made It Happen Podcast, the podcast highlighting female entrepreneurs. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and I'll see you next week. Um, and yeah, just thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks so much, Sarah. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye.